Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers, currently in Brighton in the UK, joined by Stuart Weir, also in the UK, and by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa. And on this week's show, we talk about the benefits of clubs marketing themselves well. Many European clubs make millions of dollars from selling jerseys and a range of other merchandise, plus other business initiatives. But most African clubs are way behind in this area. So what needs to be done? And we have part two of our interview with Ghana's Sami Kufour, who tells us about the heartbreak of losing the 1999 Champions League final with Bayern Munich. I was crying, I was hurt, but he didn't hesitate anything for me. Exactly two years after I had my hands on the trophy. So it tells you that there's a time in season. Well, that's coming up later, but first, it's a big weekend in African football with the second round of qualifiers for the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations on. Games include Ivory Coast away to Rwanda. The Elephants lost their first game to Guinea. Madagascar hosts Senegal. Morocco take on Malawi. The Gambia play Algeria with the Scorpions needing a win. The Seychelles take on Nigeria. Nigeria lost their opener at home to South Africa. South Africa themselves play Libya. Kenya hosts Ghana. Namibia play Zambia among the other fixtures. We'll be reviewing the games on next week's show. So I'm in Brighton, finishing off a holiday in the UK, and I'm outside the Amex Stadium, where Brighton and Hove Albion drew with Fulham last weekend and beat Manchester United two weeks before that. Now this is a 30,000-seater stadium, close to a busy road, very eye-catching and really modern, with two white arches, one across each of the main stands. And it shows how football is big business. By the way, in case you find it confusing, Brighton and Hove are two separate towns next to each other, normally just referred to as Brighton, and it's the biggest seaside resort in the UK in terms of population. So anyway, the club was close to collapse in 1997, but new management rescued the club and this stadium was built and opened in 2011. It took a while to achieve the goal of promotion to the Premier League and the Seagulls finally got there in 2017, back in the top flight after a 34-year absence. Now, there are many things that clubs in Africa can pick up from English Premier League teams. Firstly, having your own stadium is such an advantage. Then the European clubs seem to have documented their history really well. When I was in Swansea last week, the rooms and restaurants and bars in Swansea's Liberty Stadium have pictures of players and games from years gone by. And it's the same here. One of the glass-fronted walls close to where I'm standing has a huge picture of Brighton playing in 1920. And you'll see pictures and historical items on the walls all around the stadium. And besides playing football, there are a lot of money-making ventures at the stadium. Hospitality is huge. You can hire a corporate box to watch the game from or eat in one of the restaurants. Catering is big. There are bars all around. You can pay to do a stadium tour. And I've just been to the shop. It's packed with merchandise that would interest every fan in one way or the other. 
you can buy a Brighton jersey for £50. That's about $65. A bit cheaper than clubs like Manchester United, who will charge £70. That's around about $90. And these kits are changed every year, so the die-hard fans will have to keep on buying new jerseys. You can also get the away kit, the third kit too, and the goalkeeper's jersey, home and away. Then you've got caps, hats, tracksuits, scarves, gloves, ties, watches, bags, mugs, water bottles, key rings, pens, table mats with pictures of the team on, little statues of the club mascot, uh, that's a seagull wearing a Brighton kit, there are teddy bears, there are pictures to put on your wall, uh, a golfing range too with golf balls, mugs and other items. Uh, there's DVDs, as uh, a fashion range for men, women and children, including hoodies, even pyjamas and seagull slippers, all featuring the Brighton logo. Uh, there's bedding, bed covers and pillowcases, school bags. I could go on and on. Uh, there's even a drinking bowl for your dog. A yellow rubber duck wearing a Brighton hat and scarf for you to put in your bath. And there's this item that I just had to buy as it's so creative. Uh, I've bought a Brighton and Hove Albion doormat. It's in blue with a football pitch marked out on it and the Brighton logo proudly in the middle. Well, so Solomon, merchandise is a significant source of revenue for most clubs in Europe, but uh, it's an untapped area in many African countries. Uh, certainly in Zimbabwe, most clubs don't even have official jerseys on sale, let alone other merchandise and uh, ventures like catering and so on. So how is it in South Africa and Nigeria and other countries that you've been to? Well, Steve, there's a huge contrast between you know, football merchandise in South Africa uh, compared to Nigeria. South Africa, haven't lived here for quite a while. South Africa is very much like a lot of European football clubs uh, where the 16 football clubs in the South African Premier Soccer League, all of them do have official team jerseys that are on sale. That is the original and the authentic. You know, when you look at the top clubs there that uh, football fans follow, like Kaiser Chiefs, Kaiser Chiefs has a merchandise shop right in the middle of the city and they also have outlets across different you know sporting shops so you see them quite a lot including stores also where they sell their jerseys where they sell their uh, bandanas uh, their flags and also South African clubs do really you know make a bit of revenue from catering where you get a lot of corporates getting VIP tickets and also, there is also the a fact that each and every one of these clubs, you know, they have a home and away jersey, and and football fans do buy it. There's a few, uh, what they call here, Hong Kong fake ones, not the original ones, but at the same time, they do enjoy buying the original ones. So in South Africa, merchandising is a huge, huge market. You get Vuvuzelas exclusively branded with a club name. You get flags, like I said earlier on. But in Nigeria, it's totally the, the opposite. Most football clubs there don't even have their official jerseys on sale. You know, only a few of them. And you wouldn't even know where to go get the jerseys because you don't see them in shop. So there's quite a lot of that. And not to talk of other merchandise. And I don't think Nigerian football clubs are raising anything from merchandise. They don't even focus on it uh, to be able to do that. 
Yeah, sure. And you'd have to ask why so many countries are failing to take advantage of the revenue that they could be benefiting from. Is it poor organisation, lack of planning? I think a lot of it is poor organisation and, and indeed lack of planning and also lack of having, not having a, a department of hospitality, a department that will deal with you know, hospitality and try to create revenue from hospitality or marketing that would market the brand and not just the brand in the football pitch, but a brand outside of it. You know, something that's going to be trendy and sociable, people could relate to it. That is very important, but but we don't see a lot of that. So there, there is just concentration and just winning the trophy or winning games without really seeing the huge opportunities outside of outside of just winning but but to be able to win some football fans you know just via the merchandising just so football fans could really relate to the brand and stay with the brand and and actually follow the brand and commit to the brand uh, because there's a huge opportunity for it. And football fans across Africa are aware of the fact that merchandise is big because if you go across Africa, you see football fans wearing Arsenal jerseys, Manchester United, Liverpool or Barcelona or Real Madrid or PSG. So they are very much aware of it. Maybe you could... You know, football clubs should make it affordable for them. That way they're going to be able to, to raise some revenue. But you have to be able to take the brand and make the brand very fashionable and make the brand very attractive to the football fan. That way they're going to be able to invest their money and spend their money on it. Yeah, thanks, Solomon. Uh, so, Stuart, just put this into perspective for us because uh, European clubs gain revenue from TV rights, from sale of tickets for games and from merchandise, hospitality and so on. How significant is the sale of jerseys and other merchandise? Steve, the very fact that you're talking about the Amax rather than the Goldstone ground, where, of course, Brighton used to play, says a great deal. Brighton are fortunate in having the American Express Bank headquarters in Brighton and that the bank wants to pay a large sum of money for naming rights to the stadium. And talking about the stadium, you know, we used to refer to them as football grounds, arenas where a football club played home games and perhaps housed a few club offices but served no other purpose. The role of the modern stadium is no longer just a venue to play football matches but a business asset to generate revenue. It's now about catering, executive boxes, having a museum, stadium tours, business conferences during the week, all to generate income. In terms of where clubs' money comes from, in the first year of the Premier League, 1992, clubs on average gained 48% of their income from gate receipts. Now it is 18%. And one could add that modern clubs are much more interested in selling you a hospitality package at perhaps 300 to $800 than a mere $40 seat in the stand. Take, for example, Arsenal's move in 2006 from Highbury, their home for 100 years, to the new stadium now known as the Emirates. Arsenal's stadium revenue in their last year at Highbury was $60 million, In three years, it had gone up to $170 million. Manchester United is the club which is most successful commercially of all the Premier League clubs. In 2016, which is the latest figures I have been able to find, Manchester United's gate and match day income was $140 million. TV and broadcasting, $180 million. Commercial 
merchandise and sponsorship, $350 million. That is, commercial income is two and a half times the value of ticket sales. Well, incredible figures, uh, and yet uh, many teams around Africa are not making the most of this area. Indeed, in Zimbabwe you'll find many fans wearing Chelsea jerseys to support the country's biggest team, Dynamos, because Dynamos don't sell their own jerseys. On social media this week, we're asking, what's the situation like in your country? Can you buy football merchandise? How does it compare with the English Premier League teams? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And I'm Steve Vickers in Brighton in the UK. Uh, Brighton and Albion, by the way, are the home of African players in Gaiten Bong of Cameroon. He's a left-back and a regular starter. They had a big signing in Leon Balogun, who played for Nigeria at the World Cup this year, but hasn't cemented his place in the starting lineup. There's young Mali international Yves Bissouma, another new signing with two appearances so far. And South African Percy Tau was also signed ahead of this new season but was loaned out to Belgian B-division club Saint-Gilloise as he doesn't have a work permit. Well, you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our new look website, planetsport.tv. And we have our other shows there. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. And you can read interviews with various sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Collins Fai of Cameroon. That's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Well, still to come on the show, part two of our interview with Sami Kufour of Ghana on his painful defeat with Bayern Munich in the 1999 UEFA Champions League final to Manchester United. And now we turn to social media, and last week we asked about Liverpool. The Reds haven't won the English Premier League title since 1990, but with the likes of Salah and Mane and with four wins out of four, they look like they could challenge Manchester City for the title this season. So we asked for your thoughts, and we've had another huge response. Apologies if we don't get to read out your comment, but we'll get through as many as possible. On Facebook first, Philip Canu in the Gambia says uh, the Premier League is hard to predict. Liverpool also have to play in the Champions League. There are a lot of challenges ahead of them. Bar C.D. Barrow also in the Gambia says Klopp did promise he'd win them the title after four years when he first came in. I can't wait to see what he's got for the club this season, says Bar. On WhatsApp, Stanley in Ghana says yes, they can win it with the quality that they have right now, but they must keep calm and ensure that complacency does not set in. And fans who support other teams are also saying that Liverpool will win the title. Andrew Jassy in the Gambia is a Manchester United fan, but he says sure, Liverpool can challenge for the title, but the race is not for the swift, but for he who endures to the end. Muma Tabayang, also in the Gambia, says, I'm an Arsenal fan, but Liverpool are my favourites to win the Premier League. They have the depth and they have the squad, says Muma. 
To Malawi and Mkondo Harawa says, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I believe Liverpool have an edge over Man City. This may be their year. But not everyone agrees. In Malawi, Mavuto Guma says, no, Liverpool won't win the title this year. It's just the beginning for them of a long journey. Mamadou Touray in the Gambia is also cautious, saying it's possible, but it's a long journey with a lot of bumps ahead. And Kunda Francis Piri in Zambia says it's too early to tell. Let's see after Christmas. For now, almost all of the teams are playing well. Just look at Watford. And that's a good point there, Kunda. Watford currently third in the table with four wins out of four. Noble Botamani, also in Malawi, is more optimistic, saying yes, this is Liverpool's season. And it's good to hear from Namibia, where Joseph Adelino agrees, saying I think that they can lift the trophy if they keep on playing as they are. Clement is in Ghana. Clement says I think this is the time for the club to claim the English Premier League title. With the likes of signings Naby Keita and Alisson, they can challenge. Bassa Iku Sise in the Gambia agrees, saying that because the coach has made some very good signings, I consider Liverpool to be among the favourites. Biswek and Jaqua in Malawi says yes, they can do it, although the challenge is to be consistent and to avoid injuries. When Salah got injured last season, Liverpool's morale went down. Obina in Nigeria says Liverpool can certainly challenge this season. Liverpool will give Man City a run for their money if the likes of Salah and Mane stay fit. And if what we've seen so far is anything to go by, Liverpool will never walk alone, says Obina. And finally, Dan Ogega in Kenya says, I think the Reds are ready to win the title this season. They signed well in August, more so in areas in which they were found wanting last season. With Klopp's intensity, not even Manchester City will be able to stand in their way, says Dan. Uh, thanks for all of those comments. Uh, so, Stuart, uh, plenty of optimism there. I have already said that I think Liverpool have done best in the transfer window, a point that Bazeko Sisi also agrees with. Though it's ironic this weekend that we're talking about a big mistake by one of their new players, the goalkeeper Allison, attempting to do what you might call a Cruyff turn. He lost the ball and conceded a goal. But I'm sure he'll prove to be a great signing. Lots of people are making Liverpool their favourites, but I think that Philip Canu in the Gambia's point needs to be noted that it's a long way to go and that as Kunda Francis Peary says, uh, we really won't know until after Christmas how things are shaping out. But it's interesting also to see fans of other clubs like Andrew Jassy in the Gambia or Momar Tambiang, an Arsenal fan, um, actually tipping Liverpool as the team to beat. And, you know, I like Mokondo Harawa's analysis of Liverpool, suggesting that the front three of Salah, Mane and Fermano is more deadly than any other strike force in the Premier League. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, Sadio Mane said that he was planning to score more goals this season than Mo Salah. Well, he started with four out of four, so he's made a good start. Yes, yeah, so Liverpool fans are certainly thinking that they are in with a big shout this season. So, Stuart, uh, no English Premier League games this weekend. It's an international weekend. Uh, so, four games into the English Premier League season. What are your impressions on how it's going so far? I'm actually quite reluctant to draw too many conclusions from it because there's a long way to go. I suppose that Liverpool and Manchester City are in the top four. 
and that Cardiff and Huddersfield are just above relegation uh, will surprise no one. The surprise package at the top, I suppose, is Watford, who in some ways, you might say, have done everything wrong. You know, they change the manager every season, but they found a way of winning four games. Whether they can stay at the top, uh, I think uh, that may be a little bit doubtful, but who knows? The two teams at the bottom of the table, which may be a little bit surprising, are West Ham, who, with the new former uh, Manchester City Championship winning um, manager, uh, Pellegrini, uh, have lost all four games. And in fact, they have looked poor. Burnley have only got one point from four games. But Burnley have been in the Europa League qualifying and have already played 10 competitive games. You know, their manager, Sean Dyke, was very honest about this and said it's been a great learning experience for us, but clearly it hasn't helped their their league position. I would expect to see Burnley moving up and it wouldn't surprise me, in fact, to see Burnley finishing above Watford uh, by the end of the season. Probably the most useful signing uh, might be Mitrovic at Fulham, who scored four goals already. He was on loan last year from Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle didn't seem to want him, but I mean, he looks sharp every time I see him. Indeed. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. It's a Planet Sport, Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. I'm Steve Vickers in Brighton, uh, outside the Amex Stadium in the UK, the home of Brighton and Hove Albion. Well, finally on the show today to the second part of our interview with Samuel Osei Kufour, the former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender who won the UEFA Champions League in 2001, having suffered a heartbreaking defeat in the final to Manchester United in 1999, with Manchester United scoring two stoppage time goals to take it 2-1. In this in-depth interview with Erasmus Kwao in Accra from our archives, Kufour talks about his faith and his football. Now, before we get on to the Champions League final, Erasmus asked about the fabulously talented Ghana Under-17 team, which won the Under-17 World Cup with players such as Kufour himself and Ni Lamptey. Kufour says that his experiences at Under-17 level were a milestone in his faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. It was me, Odate Lamte, Imanodia, Thomas Dia, Michael say We all play small games. And I promise God, if we win this, I will go to the roadside and go and give to the people who blind, leopard, they are going to give them money. And we lost the game. And I still did it. And that was, I think, that was the, the door open for me. Because no matter how the situation is, when you promise God, you have to fulfill your dreams. Or you fulfill your promise to, towards him. So I think that was a, a good move for me. God is God, and we have to respect him. You made it to the national team. You just mentioned some of the names. Neil Dasselante, Imano Dia. These are people you played with you know, from, on the streets of Kumasi. Can you tell me that experience of playing for Ghana at Starlet 1991? That's uh, the 1991 FIFA and the 17th World <laughs> I think well, that generation put a smile on so many people's face in this country, so far as football is concerned. And then... We won the World Cup through the faith that we have in us and the faith that we have in him. Because every night we, we pray, and I remember the day before the final. Normally, we, the players, we pray, we, uh, we, we sing. Some of them were crying, 
and may so rest in peace. One of our colleagues, uh, I will back. When we were praying, I don't know what came over him. He just stood up and said, thank you, God, thank you, we won one nil. And it happened like that. It happened like that. So we were laughing at him, especially Beno, our goalkeeper, was laughing at him. This was before the final before then, the final. The, the, a day before the final. So our goalkeeper was laughing at him. What do, you, it, what, what do you think came over him? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody could just say it because I think we were, all of us were praying. And he just said, thank you, God. I think we win 1-0. I think we win 1-0. And after the game, we won 1-0 against Spain. And <laughs> we were just laughing at him again. And he was crying, even though we won the game. But he was crying. And after that crying, it became a joy to all of us. So I think, you know what? God speaking to us. But I think we have to also listen to what he says all the time to us. Do you think without you being a follower of Jesus Christ, you could have risen to that high in your career? There's so many people who are not believers, but they're still high. You know, but there's so many people who are believers. They are not still high. So God, that's like I said, God knows it's God choosing people. God said to Abraham, you're my friend. He said to Moses, you're my servant. He said to uh, David, you're son of my own heart. Who can give God advice? Who can dictate for God? Nobody. He does what pleases him. So I think people should realize that God knows better than we do in every circumstances. So you should just rely on him. If you rely on him, he will do better things for you. Nobody was born dumb, but it comes out of the situation and circumstances. For some people to be a, a throat pusher, do you think that they like it? No. You go to hospital, you, you may think you are sick, but somebody's sickness is even bigger than yours. You may think you are poor, but somebody is poorer than you. You may think you are rich, but somebody is richer than you. You may think you are handsome or beautiful, but somebody is better than you. So it, it, all the fingers are not equal. We cannot get it all equal. God said in the, the, the book of life, there will be a master and there will be a slave. So that's how life is. We can never be the same. God knows he's choosing one. So, you know, a lot of people will look at Bayern Munich, and um, for especially the English fans, the one thing that comes to mind quickly is 1999, the UEFA Champions League final, <laughs> you know, um, with, with, with Manchester United. So I mean, when you look back at that final, what do you remember? Well, uh, I think everything has its own time. It wasn't our day. It could be in the eyes of the people but not in the eyes of the Lord. God knows, like I said, God knows better than we do. I was crying, I was hurt, but he didn't hesitate anything for me exactly two years after I had my hands on the trophy. So it tells you that there's a time and season. And if you know there's a time and season, you never make mistakes in life. Did you blame yourself for the defeat? I was. I was blaming myself because I'm a human. But after that, I go to my room, I pray and say, thank you, God, for giving me such a great game. Even the victory is not on my side, but I know there's time for me. So exactly two years, I had a, I had a trophy. So, you know, in life, you can never doubt God. Don't doubt him because he's the one who can turn things around. And he turns things around in every second. He said 10 years is one day for him. And one day is 1,000 years for him. So everything is possible with him. You once said on Super Sports that... Um you got a lot of money out of that, you know, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sad yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's like that, you know? That's what I said. 
Nothing happened by accident. You know, a lot of uh, companies want me to do commercial for them because of that crime. You know, so I was doing advert for Jigamaster. I was doing advert for Johnny Walker. Was doing for uh, Voost and everything in Germany was a huge, was a lot of money that comes on my way. Yeah, but you know, nothing happened by accident. I'm, I'm, I'm sure afterwards you've seen the likes of Nicole Dwight York again. Yeah. I mean, they, they just mesmerized by Munich on the day. Um, how good were they? No, they were strong. They were good, good partners, honestly. They understand each other very well. I met them before. We played in the Ultra 4. And I was there put them in my, in, in my pocket because I knew who I am. Because they also thought about me. They're scared of me. So for them to be in that particular moment with Scholes and Beckham, Giggs and Raikin, they have amazing attacking force. But you have to be alert every time because these two players were much dangerous. That's former Ghana and Bayern Munich defender Samuel Kufour talking to Erasmus Kual. And just in case you're too young to remember, the 1999 UEFA Champions League final produced one of the most incredible comebacks ever. As Bayern Munich led in the sixth minute, they were still 1-0 up after 90 minutes, only for Teddy Sheringham and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to score for Man United in stoppage time to take it 2-1. Well, in the final part of the interview next week, Kufour tells us how he dealt with a much bigger tragedy in his life, the death of his daughter who drowned in a swimming pool at home. But that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers, outside the Amex Stadium in Brighton in the UK, from Stuart Weir, also in the UK, and from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.